Welcome to Live in the Life, a podcast that inspires and educates everyday people to take action and choose to live the life of their dreams. Hey guys, I'm Kathleen Holt. And I am Marissa Hammond. We're just a normal couple that believes a life worth living is one rooted in health, fun, love, and abundance. I'm Marissa, a life coach who's been in the health and wellness industry for over eight years. I'm fascinated by the human being, our bodies, minds, and emotions, and how it all works. My passion is just being me and helping others fully love and embody their true selves. I'm Kathleen, a personal trainer that has coached thousands of clients towards a body and healthy lifestyle that they are really proud of. I love lifting heavy weights, enjoying a good outdoor hike, or just playing around and goofing off. We've made it our mission to cut through the noise to give you proven tips and tricks that actually work. Each week, we will share with you our real experiences and the shifts that we've made to create the life that we have today. So whether you're just starting out on this journey or you've been up-leveling yourself for a while, we promise you'll find practical tools and knowledge to help you make the changes you've always wanted. Together, let's all let go of the old versions of ourselves and finally get to a place where we can honestly say, I'm living the life. Kathleen. Welcome to another episode of Living the Life. It's Kathleen here. And Marissa. And we are officially back in Ottawa, Ontario. And you can tell Kathleen is playful and tired because she was like, let's just play with your boobs, Will. And I'm like, no, you cannot play with hitting my boobs with the microphone before we start a podcast. (laughs) It's always good before a podcast to be a little jokester and get the the energy up because... (laughs) To be honest, after spending a week driving across the country, I think we're both a little tired, a little jet lagged and a little overwhelmed as we sit in our bedroom with all of our stuff still half in boxes. And a little constipated. We're both like, so it's yeah, traveling is hard on the body, guys. (laughs) It's, It's a real thing. You know, most people don't like to talk about poop, but everyone that I talk to when it comes to traveling... They have the same issue where, you know, you don't have your your safe place to take a dump. And when you have other people around and it's unfamiliar and you have people, you know, you can hear outside the bathroom door and kids screaming outside. And it doesn't really add to the relaxing zenness that you need to take a poop. And then also when there's probably me not communicating very well, just yelling a bunch of different random things at you that is <laughs> not what I'm trying to say but that definitely my my body when I don't feel well it's when your body when your nervous system's activated it's like ah, get ready to run away it's not thinking about how can I relax my bowels and be in rest and digest it's definitely fight or flight and I feel like there was definitely lots of that over this this travel too so mm-hmm. <laughs> so what would you say your favorite part of the trip was oh um that's a hard one I, I really found this one hard we did when I drove across Canada uh, in November last year, I did seven days of driving and I did it over around two weeks. So I did a lot more breaks. This one we did over one week where we had four days of driving. So it we had way less breaks and was way more on the go. So to be honest, I think this one was not nearly as pleasant. I think one of the nicest things about it was that it's done. Um so that's your favorite part of the trip is that it's over? I think I think I'm still really just really tired to be honest. Um the favorite part of the trip, yeah, like I feel like I'm so tired that like looking back I'm like I don't like it was nice to do it with you and to be with you and Loki and to not have driving part, but I found this one really hard. So, 
I don't know. Like Kathleen's looking at me like, that's not a very good answer. But to be honest, that's kind of how it was. So if I was to pick a favorite part, I liked the snacks. <laughs> we, had, we had magic spoon snacks where we would snack on the Cheerios magic spoon like as if they were little chips. So I really enjoyed that. Man, this is such a good cereal. I found it a couple years ago, I think. And you know, cereal is usually pretty high in sugar. Very, very low in protein and pre-processed. And the stuff has whey protein in it. It has fiber in it. It tastes bomb. So, I mean, if, you, if you're looking for a late night snack or if your kids love cereal or, you know, if you're an adult and you love cereal, hey, I, I very much encourage you to try this out because this was a, a great little snack to have on the road instead of having like chips or candies or something. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the trip was visiting people. I've been sitting here thinking about that while you're talking about Magic Spoon, but it was definitely being able to visit friends along the way. It was cool. And seeing Canada is cool, too. What was your favorite part of the trip? My favorite part was we stopped in Calgary to see my uh, childhood friend, my longest friend I think I've had. We've probably been friends since we were one or two, and he is living in downtown Calgary, he just bought his first condo and it's so fun to see someone who you grew up with. I'm sure that every most people can think of someone in their life where they've known them since they were a very young child and to be able to see that person grow into an adult and, you know, flourish and just just watching him buy his condo and make it his own. He's going to be Airbnb-ing it and uh, yeah, I was just really proud to see that. Yeah, it was cool. It's really cool. So shall we jump into what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, we're going to talk to you guys about communication. <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing just because like, well, we were on the road for this past week and just like full honesty, I told this Kathleen before too, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like if this is how we communicated all the time, I was like, I feel like we wouldn't be together anymore just because communication is such an important thing for Yes, relationships for sure, but also just for everyday life because it's how you communicate and you connect to other people and you get an idea of what's going on in their mind and what they're thinking and feeling. And it's really how you connect with people. And if you can't communicate with people, you can end up completely misreading a situation or what's going on. And it can also be really frustrating and uncomfortable because you could end up losing specific and certain relationships without even intending it to happen simply because you don't know how to say what you want to say and you either say the wrong thing or you don't know how to hear what they're actually saying and you don't know how to just stay grounded during the whole process. Yeah, and we made like a concerted effort to try to do all the things that were healthy for us, but it's really, really, really challenging when you're spending 13 hours of driving in one day. So, I mean... Our, our movement was not nearly as much as we normally do. We Our sleep was all off. Um, you know, I already talked about our digestion being all off. Our, our food wasn't what we normally eat. We weren't getting a lot of, as many steps as we would normally get. So you can really see that when you start to steer away from the basics, how much that can affect your ability to show up as your best self and a good partner and a good communicator. It was... It was intense, <laughs> just to say the least. Like you said, with when your body is not feeling great, your brain is part of your physical being and your brain powers your mind and your thoughts. So it's very hard for you to 
think the things you want to think and be able to interpret what the other person is saying or clearly process and say what you're trying to say when your physical body and physical brain is not being taken care of. Like if like we were switching time zones, we were getting up at ridiculous times. We were trying to sleep in the car. So like our sleep was everywhere. Like Kathleen said, our food wasn't what we would normally eat. Um, and then on top of that, different environments, different places where it's hard to then to sleep. Movement was off. Like it was just crazy. So it was, it was actually really interesting. And there was a lot of moments during that trip where I remember kind of just sitting there and laughing to myself. There's pro- I probably laughed out loud too. I just kind of like laugh at myself. I'm like, oh my goodness, I just am totally not understanding at all what Kathleen is trying to say to me, or I am totally not able to say what I want to say right now. And just like, yeah, like this is not me. And that's okay. Like it will change two weeks from now when we get settled, when we're rested, when we're back into our flow. Like, yeah, we'll be back there. But just realizing like, oh my goodness, like this, I am definitely not at my best. And rather than shaming myself for it, being like, yeah, this, this is how this is because of this life choice we've made based off of travel and where we're going. And just, yeah, this is just how this is. And that's okay. And, you know, I mean, communication, when you have two different people, coming in with their own ideas, their own thoughts, their own um, preconceived notions, all of that stuff, their own interpretations. It's challenging at the best of times for communication. So throw in, you know, not not feeling your best physically and it becomes even harder. Like think about um, there's this phenomenon. I forget what it's called. It's like uh, witness bias. No, it's not that. But anyways, um, when, when you have a bunch of people that are, um, that see a crime happen and then the officer will, will take down notes of, you know, what, what did the perpetrator look like? What was their, what was their voice like? What was their height? What happened? They'll get, if there's 10 people there, they'll get like 10 different accounts of, what happened and what the person looked like. So even though everyone was there and experienced it, they all had completely different experiences of it. And they're not trying to lie. It's just literally what they interpreted and what their experiences. So this is why when, when Marissa and I are speaking with each other, it's so important to make sure that we're doing the best we can when it comes to communication, knowing that there will be some sort of bias because different people interpret things differently. It's really interesting because like I, I went, we didn't even talk about this ahead of time because we we were like, oh, like here's three things we want to bring up, but we didn't even talk about this is like how much also communication that like Kathleen was saying, like there's like this bias. You really have to know a bit about the person and have to be willing to be compassionate towards them that everyone's going to have their completely different life experiences and knowledge they have. So they're going to have different beliefs They're going to have different things that are going to trigger them. They're going to have different things that feel safe or unsafe. They're going to have different definitions for words, right? So it might even be something as simple as a word you use means one thing to you and means something completely different to them. So when it comes to communication, like, yes, there's going to be, when we're going to talk about certain skills and mindsets that you can use to help you, but like there's certain, there's those things. But even before you get into that, it's realizing that every single person, even though it starts with, one with communication is how well can you express and then two is how well can you listen and receive it's going to be completely different with every single person based off of their beliefs based off of their past pains and traumas and based off of their definitions of words so with that let's jump into what is communication and like we said it's 
it's how you connect with someone else. But it's really this, if you think about it, it's like a game of catch. So when you're playing catch, you can have someone who's a really good thrower and someone else who can't catch for shit, and you're not going to get a good game of catch going. Vice versa, you can have someone who's like the best catcher in the world. They could be, I don't know, play baseball, whatever, and they're like the the perfect catcher who makes all the amazing things. And then you could have someone who just can't throw no matter how hard they try. It's like opposite direction. And same thing, you are not going to get a game of catch going back and forth. So the same thing works with communication. You really have to get both parts going on. Like you have to get really good at your throwing skills, your speaking, the words you use, how you deliver this. And also on the opposite side, you have to get really good at catching and receiving. Like how can you be open to actually get what they're trying to send your way rather than just being like, nope, I'm only going to catch the way that's easy for me. And if you don't throw it exactly to me, then I'm not going to hear it. Right. So it's like, how can you get really good at throwing and really good at catching and also understand the other person? Because the reality is, is a lot of times people, they don't have communication skills. Communication is a skill. It takes time to develop. And a lot of people, they don't have it. So it's like, how can you then also knowing this with the person that you're with, how can you also adapt your style? So that way it's going to make it even easier for them. This reminds me of for all of those who are dog owners out there. There's always that one dog where you're playing catch with them and then they go get the ball and they never bring it back. And it's like, this is not working when it comes to playing catch because I need you to bring it back to me so that we can have this back and forth going on. But like Marissa said, if if one person isn't willing to play or isn't doing a good job playing and there's not that back and forth, then it's really not going to work. And I think it's important too that we highlight that there that it's not just about the words you say when it comes to communication. That's important, but there's also your body language and what what you're looking like. You know, if you're all hunched over or turned away from the person, that's not going to be received very well. If you're screaming at them, raising your voice, that's probably not going to be received very well. Um, trying to slow down will usually um, slow down a heated argument. Um, is there anything else you can think of? Yeah, just tone, just knowing that there's specific words or like, like a lot, a huge part of it is body language, Mm -hmm. huge part of its body language. But also I'd say the other thing would be um, noticing what energetic state you're in when you begin a conversation, especially when they're challenging hard conversations and same thing, noticing the other persons, because if someone else is already activated or they're, they're flustered or they're, you can tell they're having a hard time and then you try to bring up these conversations, you know, it's not going to go well. Right. So it's, I'd say also just being aware of what energetic state are you in? Are you in a state of peace, of calm, of love, or are you overwhelmed? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Because even if someone doesn't raise their voice, they can still be angry. Even if someone's body language doesn't show it, it'll, it can still make a huge difference. One thing that I found to be huge in a relationship, particularly, is when Marissa and I get in an argument, sometimes I will, I'll want to, like, I, I, I feel that I'm right. And even if I think I'm right, I will shut myself up, keep reminding myself, be quiet, be quiet, listen, 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 and be okay with not trying to prove that I'm right. Because that doesn't help anyone. I mean, even if, let's say, 
someone tells you, um, I don't know, you what what you said hurt me. In my head, I might be like, I didn't say anything hurtful. What are you talking about? I just I just told you that I wanted our room to be clean. But obviously there was an interpretation there that that there was something mean that came out. And so it's not about if I'm right or wrong in the sense that I what I said wasn't hurtful. If I care about the other person, I should care that they were obviously hurt by something and that I want to do a better job in the future of of communicating that better so that it it is received better. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about me loving the other person and wanting to show them that and therefore adapting the way I communicate in a way that will make them feel loved. It's really funny when we first got together, I think for probably the first year and a half, there was a lot of me being right about things like you'd be like yeah you're right like you would come to that and like there's it was almost like there was like this grudging thing I don't know why it's almost like this like competitive thing in couples where sometimes it's like to be able to say you're right to your partner it's almost like no can't do that right and I remember for like the first little while it was um like I had a really hard time saying to Kathleen you're right and like the it was probably a year year and a half into our relationship where we were having a conversation and I was like oh you're right. I'm, And I think a lot of it is also that people, they, uh, for me anyways, I feel like when I'm saying the other person's is right, then it means that maybe I'm wrong, which is sometimes is the case. And I think that that's the scary thing is admitting maybe that you're wrong. Maybe it's not as much about the other person being right, but being wrong. So I think that's, yeah, that's a huge thing is like being willing to be wrong. And like now there's, there's so many times where it's like multiple times a week, I'll be like, oh yeah, you're right. And sometimes I'll say, oh yeah, I was wrong. And realizing you're not a bad person for being wrong. Like that's okay. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about like, how can we work together to make sure that we're growing? Yes. As a couple, but also as individuals. And like Kathleen said, like when we go back to it, we know that both of us really, really love and care about each other. And as long as we can remember that and go back to that common ground, then it's so much easier to have conversations. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when when I'll get into, not when I'll get into, if if someone says something to me, let's say they're, they're rude at the store or, or someone I don't know um, says something kind of nasty or in the grocery store or in the parking lot or whatever else. Instead of assuming that they're an asshole, which a lot of people might do, <laughs> and, and it can be hard to reframe this, but I guarantee you that you've had a bad day in the past and that you've acted in a way that you're not proud of. I know that I have. And so in those moments, especially when I don't know the person, in those moments, I can assume and make the choice to assume that maybe something's going wrong that day and assume that they are a really loving person, but maybe they just, you know, are having indigestion on the, on the drive across Canada <laughs> and they haven't found, she's giving me a look and haven't found a place to poop recently, or maybe they lost their job or maybe their spouse died. I can remember a time, um, a few years ago now, um, my stepdad had cancer and we were coming to my parents' house and 
the neighbor came across. So I pulled up the car, my neighbor, or sorry, their neighbor from across the street came over and they're like, hey, the front lawn isn't mowed. You know, you should tell your parents to mow their lawn. And I was pissed off because my dad had cancer and I knew that they were both dealing with that and that my mom didn't have time to mow the lawn and she had a lot more important things to deal with. And I was stressed out, obviously, when when you have a family member that's sick, it can be very stressful and hurtful. And so I blew up at this neighbor that I didn't know at all. And I told them basically to go F off and that my dad had cancer and they should go mind their own damn business. <laughs> and that was not a loving thing for me to do at all. But I mean, it, it's hard to communicate when you're not feeling your best or you're not level-headed. So I think when when people are coming across angry or they seem to be flying off the handlebars, then it's it's a really good strategy to just assume that they are having a bad day or they're not able to communicate to the best of their ability rather than assuming that they're an asshole because most people aren't assholes. It's really interesting. There's a book called Crucial Conversations and it's phenomenal. If you're looking to up your communication skill game and if you want like scripts and things of how to go about, especially some deep, difficult conversations when when like the stakes are high and when someone could potentially get hurt, if it's not come across the right way, like definitely go get the book and read that. But it's very interesting. They talk about this communication cycle and how it all has to go back to coming to this place of safety because as soon as one person in the conversation does not feel safe, that's when they go into fight or flight mode and that's when they'll either shut down and they'll just start going, mm-hmm, 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 but nothing's coming in or they'll blow up. But same thing when someone's blowing up and angry, there's no information going in. There's no flow of, of information back and forth. It's just someone doesn't feel safe. So like going back to that place of like, how can we create safety in ourselves, but also for the other person is huge. And just remembering, I think like there's the saying that hurt people hurt people. So if someone is just random person who you don't know is coming at you and attacking you or is saying something unloving or something else. And you're like, where did this come from? Like just remembering like, they're probably just a human being who just in this moment doesn't feel safe because I really do believe that every single human being, when they're taken care of, when they have their needs for love and safety met, then they're just beautiful to be around. It's not that people try to be assholes. It's that people, they don't feel love or they don't feel safe. Their needs aren't being met. And that's just what happens sometimes. So like just remembering that and being like, oh yeah, then that allows you to have compassion for them instead of taking it personally. And you can be like, oh, they must be going through something hard. Cool. I know I can be compassionate towards them because other people have been compassionate towards me when I've been going through something hard. So I think that is a huge thing. And like, yes, with random people, but also just in relationships. Like when Kathleen and I were on the trip this past week, there was many moments where it was just like, yep, <laughs> that's I, I'm not using the words I know I want to use because my brain can't figure this out. But just so you know, I love you. And like both of us could, because we've worked on this communication thing, we could go like, okay, yeah, this based on like, and you could tell like there was tension in the car. Like both of us were just like not happy campers, <laughs> but we both knew we'd, I'd, and I would say aloud, I'd be like, okay, like, I know you love me. I know either I, what I'm saying isn't coming across right or what I'm hearing isn't coming across right. And that's okay. Cause I love you. So maybe we'll talk about this later when we're both a bit more rested. And I think that that's also something huge, like giving yourself permission to come back to a conversation later rather than like we have to work through this now and like and even just setting your boundaries for yourself even if the other person wants to talk about it now 
being like, no, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. And there was, I can remember when I was doing my rebuilding relationship course uh, over five years ago. And that was one of the things that happened. There was, it was a, a 12 week course I did at a divorce center and there was myself and a bunch of other either singles or couples, most of them between 40 and 60 who were potentially going to be getting divorced. And so when I say singles, I meant like one person in the relationship was there. Um, but there was one couple who was there and they, when they came, they sat down. The one, one partner said, Hey, like I got really frustrated earlier this week because I went to my partner and said, Hey, let's talk about this. Here's this thing. And she was like, I used all my words. I made sure I talked about how I feel. I made sure it wasn't about you did this and that. And she's like, she's like, but then my partner just looked at me and said, you know what? I don't feel like having this conversation right now. I don't feel ready for this. Like, let's do this later. And the relationship coach was like, then that's it. If not both of you guys want to have this re- this conversation right now, it doesn't matter if you're going to use all your proper words or not. They're not ready for it. So you don't, right? Like when you love someone or when you're trying to work through something with someone, like if they're not ready for it, you don't go through it. So giving yourself permission to come back to a conversation, I think is also so important. If I was that person in the relationship, that other that other partner that my that my partner's sitting there saying, I used all my words and they're wrong. I would have had such a hard time not sitting there and being turning them to them and being like, Boom, I'm right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure something similar like it, I don't think like they said it that, but I think they sat there and were just like, see? See? Like and like I was like, Oh <laughs> Yeah, that that takes restraint. And just like Marissa said, being okay with leaving the conversation is super important. I know for me, sometimes I need some time to go for a walk and regroup and ground. But I think that it can be hurtful if you're in a heated discussion and or in an argument and your partner just kind of leaves without saying anything, runs out the front door and kind of like abandons you there. That that can feel like abandonment. So if you're going to do that, if you need the space, making sure you communicate to your partner or to the person that you're talking to and tell them like, hey, I, I want to have this conversation. I know this is important to you. I love you so much. I want to be my best self. So I'm going to go outside for an hour, go for a walk, take some deep breaths, and then we can come back to this. Just so you know, I'm not leaving you. I just, I need to take some time. And it's also really amazing if you know that that might potentially happen. Like set up ahead of time a safe word or like um, set up this ahead of time. Talk about this. So that way it's like, I don't know, armadillo, right? So that way you're, that's your way of saying to the other person, I'm not avoiding this. I'm not running away. But right now I can feel I'm not in a safe, like I'm not in a grounded space. And I don't feel safe and I need to go for this walk. So like Kathleen and I, we know ahead of time, we've talked about like, hey, what are we going to do in a conversation when I don't feel safe or when I feel like you're not listening to me? And then it's just like the the conversation just keeps escalating. Like, what can we do to make sure that we don't just abandon the person, but at the same time we can walk away? Because it is sometimes it's hard to just be like, hey, I just need to take some time and walk away because sometimes it doesn't feel like you can do that. So sometimes it's easier just to be like armadillo and then run away. Don't make your safe word for your arguments the same safe word as your sex word. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I if this might be happening both simultaneously, but <laughs> I really don't think it would in my personal experience. <laughs> cool. So shall we kind of go through and wrap it up a little bit for everyone? Yeah. So if you 
if you think about it, when it comes to conversation, especially in romantic relationships, like I'd say the number one thing is going to be like remembering, okay, like start with that common ground, like starting from that place of love. Like I love you. You love me. We're a great big family for all your Barney lovers. (laughs) Um, And I didn't see Barney, so I'm just totally (laughs) oblivious to this. But it's just like, yeah, and I want the best for Kathleen. Kathleen, I know, wants the best for me. And I know that she would not be maliciously trying to make something just work for her and not be for me. And like, I, I know she really wants the best for us, but also for our friends, for our family, for our businesses, for creating fun, love, health, and abundance in our life. So knowing that, I think, is one of the most important things because that way, even knowing, even if she says something which hurts me, I'm knowing she's not actually trying to hurt me. Like, she wouldn't actually do that. So I think having that baseline of trust and remembering that is so important when you first get into it. So I'd say that's number one. I'd say, like we said earlier, number two is being able to not be right, so being willing to be wrong. And then number three would be being willing to come back to the conversations later on as needed, right? So just taking that break. Another thing that you want to make sure you do when you're trying to have really good communication is trying to listen more than you speak. Oh, shit, I got to work on that one. (laughs) So if you're one of those people who are always trying to get your side heard or your word in or whatever else, keep reminding yourself in your head, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, listen, 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 because it doesn't matter what you think or or what your interpretation is when it comes to how the other person is feeling and their interpretation of it. Yeah, no, it's so important. And like also just a thought on that, like so often people who are in the masculine energy, their tendency is like, how can I fix this? But often people when they're in their feminine energy, they just need to be heard and they just need to be expressed. So like Mm. that's something else too that'll come up, like realizing that when you're listening, it's not about how can I listen so I know what to respond and what my next thing is going to say. But when I'm listening, how can I really listen, being open to that I might be wrong and remembering that this person's coming from a place of love. Like how can I really go through that and just listen from that place rather than listening, either think about what I'm going to say or listening than trying to fix the problem. It's like, no, 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 like just be present. Just hold the space. Just listen. I think that's so, so, so important. That one's a hard one too. And, you know, sometimes I'll ask Marissa, like, hey, do you, do you want help with this or do you just want me to listen and, and hear you and give you a hug and love you because not all the time when people are communicating to you a problem do they want a solution for you to fix it. Sometimes they just want to get it off their chest and for you to be a soundboard. Yeah. So with that, that's a little bit of stuff about communication. I think remembering that communication is a skill and skills take time to build. Like if you're practicing your free throws in basketball, like you don't just do it once and then you're done. Like, so give yourself permission and grace as you're learning to communicate, but also realize that if you do want to have good relationships, this is a necessary skill. So whether you like it or not, you're going to have to learn how to use your damn communication. So take your time, work on it. If you don't know what to do yet, then like I said, get that crucial conversations book. You can Google it, like figure out, get enough knowledge first, but then really it's just about start putting this into practice. So practice it, give yourself compassion as you go, but make it happen. It'll be so, so worth it. You'll be grateful because you'll see so much, 
so much of an improvement in your relationships. Yeah, friends at work with family with your partner, but also you'll see it in the bedroom and all the other things too. So, wait, wait, I have a quick story that just came to my mind. Oh, god, that's pretty cool. Um, you were talking about basketball, so off topic, but you know, Kobe Bryant, yes, so obviously a, a really famous basketball player for anyone who doesn't know, anyways. Um, I was hearing a story of how another player on his team, so Kobe Bryant would always be there, like he would come early to practices, always be practicing, even though he was like amazing, he would still always be practicing. And he would come super early to practices, usually be the last one out the door. And um, and there was this one time where one of the players, so Kobe Bryant, I guess, came a little bit later to one of the practices before the game. And so he ended up staying really late. And then his buddy that was on his team was like, hey, man, we're going to have a game in like less than an hour. What are you still doing practicing here? And he's like, I want every single person to know that I am willing to outwork them no matter what. It's like, whoa, whoa, hardcore. That's a hardcore man. Anyways. I just wanted to put that out there that you got to be willing to put in the work. It's worth it. Yep. So with that, have the most amazing day. Go be you. Keep living the life. Keep doing all the fun things that help make you feel like you. And yeah, find all the health, fun, love, and abundance. So as Kathleen likes to say, keep living the life. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope that you got tons of value from this episode. If you did, we would love it if you tagged us on Instagram with your biggest takeaway so we can celebrate this journey with you. Our handles are at marissa.hammond and at kathleen.holt underscore. We totally get that it's not always easy, so please know that we're so proud of all the work you're doing and how you're choosing to show up for yourself. If you'd like to dive deeper, check out our websites listed below in the show notes for more free resources and tools. Until next time, keep living the life.